Hey, .NET Rocks listeners. So you never went to NDC. I get that. It's Norway. It's Oslo. But did you know that the videos for all the sessions are online? Yeah, go to vimeo.com slash NDC Oslo. You'll see some amazing sessions, and they're all right there. And if you're really curious, you can check out the lineup for NDC 2014, which is happening June 2nd through 6th. NDCOslo.com is the website, but again, if you want to check out the videos, vimeo.com, that's V-I-M-E-O dot com slash NDC Oslo. Richard and I will be there this year. Maybe we'll see you too. Dodnet Rocks episode 986 with guest Ted Patterson. Recorded Wednesday, May 14th, 2014. Thank you very much, and welcome back to .NET Rocks. Carl and Richard here for the next hour or so. Ted Patterson is here. It's going to be a great show. We're uh, doing the SharePoint Enterprise thing. But first, Richard, are you still in Houston? I am still in Houston. The we heck shot, are you doing down there? We shot three weeks worth of shows while I was at TechEd. Yeah, and hopefully they're all still relevant. <laughs> well, anyway, uh, I'm still up here in, you know, where I am in the studio. But uh, yep. I've, I've got, in honor of our guest today, I've got uh, a, a little bit of a different Better Know Framework. Awesome. Roll that stuff. All right, buddy, what do you got? Go to tinyurl.com slash SharePoint Yucks. That's Y-U-K-S. Because Uh-oh. jokes was taken. The Fab 40 SharePoint jokes. This is by uh, Paul Swider, and he's got a picture of Bill Clinton posing with some porn stars. I don't know what that's all about, but apparently that was at a SharePoint <laughs> event. Maybe that's a whole other SharePoint I don't joke. know what that's all about, but what's weird is when you click on the link like to enlarge it, Paul Swider's photo comes up, so he's clearly got some issues there. I don't know what that is, but anyway, Ted. Yes, sir. What do you call a smiling, sober, courteous person at the SharePoint 2014 conference? Um, not an attendee? The caterer, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Light travels faster than sound. This is why some SharePoint consultants appear bright until you hear them speak. <laughs> I like that. Hey, this is written by a SharePoint <laughs> consultant, right? We're comfortable enough with our masculinity that we can be made fun of. That's right. A good SharePoint consultant is someone who can tell you to go to hell in such a way that you look forward to the trip. <laughs> How about this one, Ted? I always take SharePoint with a grain of salt, plus a slice of lemon and a shot of tequila. Nice. Uh, let's see. SharePoint work is something you do that nobody notices until you don't do it. That's pretty good. Top three things SharePoint consultants will never say. Number three, you're right. We're billing way too much for this. <laughs> <laughs> Number two, how about paying us based on the success of the project? <laughs> <laughs> and number one, I don't know enough to speak intelligently about that. <laughs> nice. All somewhat true, given the huge community we have in SharePoint. All right, enough of that. You can go read the rest of them on your own time. Richard, who's talking to us today? Hey, I grabbed a comment off of show 953, and that's the one we did with Hilton Giesbrick talking about SharePoint. Mm-hmm. 
And this comment comes from Philippe, who I think is probably English as a second language, because he says, Hello, nice show often to not say always. Okay. I was really interested in the part of the show that focuses on what is the core function of SharePoint, at least is how I understood it. What is funny is if I catch it up to the point where you describe the product as a document management system that allows you to add metadata to a document and leverage the search on this metadata and allow it to always get me the latest version, I would say that you describe Lotus Domino. Whoa, Domino. Yeah, that's a flashback, man. Lotus Domino. What decade was that comment from? (laughs) Sent by Carrier Pigeon? (laughs) This is totally recent, but he does admit, this is what we used a few years ago. And at the time, we also had the problem of people wanting to put everything, every kind of data into Domino, Mm. which is, you know, exactly the same battle that SharePoint has. So I think Philippe's point here really is, you know, what comes around goes around. We Mm -hmm. are always battling the issue of, when you have a place for people to put stuff, they try and put everything there, whether they should or not. That's right. And he does go on to say, uh, love the shows. I miss the introduction joke that used to be around years ago. I didn't always get them, but I like them. Well, you know, that just turned into a weird fest, I think. <laughs> well, they're kind of back in the middle of the show now. Yeah, we kind of do a little joke in the middle. You just got to listen a little bit to get into it. Sure. It's that stealth so we, humor. Right. Stealth humor that only certain people can detect. <laughs> <laughs> so, Philippe, thanks so much for your comment. A .NET Rocks mug is on its way to you. And if you'd like a .NET Rocks mug, write a comment on the website at .NET Rocks.com or on any of our mobile apps. We've got them for iOS, Android, Windows Phone 7 and 8, and Windows 8. And those apps were built by Diatom Enterprises. Who'd love to build you an app? Just go to DiatomEnterprises.com. And so let me formally introduce Ted. Ted Patterson is an author, instructor, co-founder, and owner of Critical Path Training, a company dedicated to education on SharePoint technologies. Since 2005, Ted has worked with Microsoft's developer platform evangelism group, researching and authoring SharePoint training material for early adopters. Ted is also known as Mr. SharePoint. Welcome back to the show, Ted Patterson. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Mrs. SharePoint gave me the afternoon off to come talk to you guys, which is great. <laughs> so, the uh, admittedly, the show we did with Hilton was, I mean, he was very excited to be on the show. And uh, we brushed on enterprise development and enterprise features of SharePoint a little bit. but but uh, And I asked you to go listen to the show so that we wouldn't, you know, duplicate any content or anything. And, and as you mentioned, there's a lot of stuff that we didn't cover. We didn't really have a lot of time to cover. Well, I think he kind of covered the uh, day in, day out usage of the product and kind of, um, you know, as you start a project, what should you do with SharePoint? He talked quite a bit about, you know, trying to use SharePoint out of the box, not, you know, having a code first uh, mentality with SharePoint, which I thought was all real good. What I was thinking is we kind of talk more big picture, kind of looking back the history of SharePoint, where the platforms got to, uh, why so many .NET developers have... Um, you know, stayed away from SharePoint like the plague, mm. and then the big move that Microsoft's making to the cloud, and what's that doing to the existing SharePoint customer base? And, you know, is there really a term SharePoint guy moving forward like mm. there's been for the last six or seven years? So I think those are all quite different topics than uh, Hilton got into. Yeah, okay. So what is it? What is the past, present, and future mix of companies that are using SharePoint on-prem versus online? Well... 
a little bit of background. If we go back to the beginning of the platform, there was a 2001 version of SharePoint that wasn't built on .NET, mm-hmm. but it gave us mm-hmm. this basic capability of companies to be able to quickly create websites and have users, not developers, start injecting pages and content inside of it. Now, SharePoint 2003 is the first version that was based on .NET. And so that's when the developers started getting involved. It wasn't a very documented platform. You had to be smart and hungry uh, to be able to reverse engineer things. Uh, And there was quite a bit of web part development. But it was really SharePoint 2007 where the thing just kind of took off from a sales perspective, generating over a billion dollars in sales. Mm. And so that's the point where all of a sudden we had a real developer platform. They formalized things like farm solutions, which is your distribution unit of code, and features, which are the unit of functionality that you can activate and deactivate inside of a SharePoint site. Mm -hmm. So we saw lots of SharePoint development going on. Now, SharePoint in the beginning has always been installed on servers owned by a particular company, which now we have to call that SharePoint on-premises because of Microsoft's new movement towards SharePoint in the cloud. So up through 2007, we have 99% of the customer base, you know, who is on-premises and a very small percentage of the customers who were starting to use, you know, what was originally called BPAWS, but then became SharePoint Online. Now, obviously, we see that there's a lot of um, people higher up at Microsoft that tell teams like the SharePoint teams what their marching orders are. And about 2010, the marching orders were you no longer should be a product. You should be a subscription-based service. Right. So there's been this march to the cloud. But the problem is people like me have been telling people to you know, build the kind of solutions that will never work in the cloud. Things right. that require uh, files copied into special folders and assemblies in the global assembly cache. And so what Microsoft you know, has recently done is to you know, have a cloud-based presence you know, a lot of SharePoint has been re-architected around the cloud. And every single Microsoft marketing message about SharePoint is, you're in the cloud now. They kind of use the assumptive close of, now that you've gone to the cloud, right? where 90% of the customers I work with say, we're not in the cloud yeah. now. And the enterprise, and, you know, especially. We're estimating six months to 600 years before we're going to be in the cloud. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, there's this tension right now that the uh, a lot of the SharePoint community feels because in some ways they're going to stay on premises, but Microsoft isn't really giving them any love. Um, so any company that's huge, you know, has serious issues, you know, moving from where they are, this place of comfort. It took them a while to figure out how to configure SharePoint, how to develop for it. But after four years, they got it. So the new model is you don't have to learn all that stuff, but what about the companies that already did? So I think we have, um, you know, something where a lot of companies will continue to use SharePoint on-premises, but we'll see small companies, mid-sized companies, you know, maybe some big companies. Uh, I'm kind of still waiting to hear, you know, stats about what the adoption has been like with new customers in SharePoint Online uh, and also with, um, you know, customers who have been on-premises that are either moving to the cloud or starting to build, you know, hybrid uh environments where they kind of straddle both an on-premises farm and inside of the cloud. So did you say 97% of your customers are on-prem? Is that what I heard you say? Well, I said in SharePoint 2007, 99%. 
and that's a number I pulled out of my uh, posterior. Yeah. So it's not uh, it's not a stat I can back up. What you're saying really is that people are going kicking and screaming to the cloud in the enterprise on SharePoint anyway. I, I'm not sure they're really going to the cloud. Uh, some are. You know, I think if you look at now, SharePoint Online isn't standalone. It's part of Office 365. Right, right. So they're also pushing it in the world that has a lot of benefits in the fact that you got Exchange and Outlook and it just works and you automatically get Office. Um, you know, so the SharePoint platform is really kind of morphing into something that's bigger than just SharePoint in and of itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, I still think that there's a huge customer base that is on premises and really can't do anything about that. And so at the last SharePoint conference, they made a uh, announcement that there will be a new version of SharePoint on premises. It wasn't surrounded with the kind of detail that people were hoping for. But now kind of the, um, you know, the Microsoft message is that all the new improvements will first go to Office 365 and SharePoint online. And then as soon as possible, uh, whether, you know, that's going to pan out or not, you know, the, the changes are going to go, you know, into an on-premise uh, service pack or a new release. Right. Um, but you know, well, I, I think it's the way that Microsoft talks about that is really interesting. You know, you were saying that whole, they, the way they do the assumptive marketing. So since you're already in the cloud, when you get your SharePoint re- instance running, the, this whole idea of, yeah, we're going to make one more on-premise version of SharePoint is sort of a friendly way of saying, we're only making one more version of on-premise SharePoint. Yeah, that's right. You know, so to me, it would have been much better. If they had split off two marketing teams, the one to continue marketing to on-premise customers who are paying yes. millions of dollars in revenue, and then a separate marketing team for the new customers they're trying to get an Office 365, but to you know basically drop so much of the on-premise customer base off the radar with their public messages has been disconcerting. Yeah, it's fr- it's got to be frightening to your average IT guys. Just like, are we suddenly running on a dead platform? What have we done? Yeah. So I think, you know, for IT pros, you know, the prospect is no work. For developers, the prospect is forget about everything you've been doing for the last five years and learn a whole new way to start developing solutions for the SharePoint platform. Right. right. So mm. at least we just have to learn new things. At least we don't have to, you know, brush up on becoming, you know, a stockbroker or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's so funny when you go into IT shops and you say cloud, and they'll just look at you. And and certainly, they have lots of issues moving to the cloud. But the basis for their emotional, you know, outbursts are generally, you know, security of their own jobs. Yeah, these guys are taking away my rice bowl. And you know, SharePoint has been one of those things that you know only a mother could love. Uh, and you know, people who are SharePoint experts, and they just have so much knowledge about how to configure SharePoint and how to configure a huge farm. And the prospect that in five to 10 years, that skill set will be worthless mm. or at least a lot less valuable and a lot less in demand than it is now, you know, it's a pretty hard thing to take. Well, suddenly you're a COBOL expert, right? <laughs> That's it's It does seem, you know, like uh, farm, you know, on-premise farms, you know, are the COBOL of the future. Will right. it die off in two years or will it die off in 25 years? It's really hard to say, but, you know, to me, I'm thinking that there is so much revenue coming from these large enterprise customers who can't move to the cloud that they have to continue behind the scenes, you know, doing lots of work to make sure that these customers are happy and their on-premise, you know, efforts still work. Do you think there's any chance of Microsoft abandoning them? 
Well, Carl, quite frankly, I think the human race will die out. So, yes, when that happens, <laughs> obviously. Um, but, you know, so to me, it's more of a question of time frame. Um, you know, if they if it dies out in two years, that will be pretty desperate. If it dies out over 10 years, you know, that's a pretty reasonable thing. We've just seen that time after time in the IT industry. You know, certain products, you know, emerge and they're based on a certain technology or a certain, you know, uh, architecture and mm-hmm. things change. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but it's just as long as we continue to service things and have a transition that's reasonable and continue to support people that want to hold their own data closely. Well, you know, the, the supporting argument is XP, isn't it? You know, Microsoft extended the support date for XP a number of times. April 2014 has now gone by and officially support is over. But there are huge customers, and I'm looking at like the U.S. government, that yeah. are saying, now nah, we're still going to be using XP, and by golly, you're going to keep supporting it. Well, and they are, and they will keep supporting it. They've and said that. A lot of these uh, SharePoint customers, you know, are 50,000 seat, 100,000 seat, 120,000 sure. seat customers. You know, so that's just so much revenue that they have to, you know, take it very seriously. So it sounds to me like this is just this whole press to the cloud is a marketing pitch. It's not actually the reality of where the revenue is coming from. And ultimately, Microsoft still cares about making money. They will do what their customers want. Yeah. So it's not I don't think it's just a marketing pitch. You know, there's a ton of investment on the part of the SharePoint team to make it work. I would say the customer base has not shifted yet. Um, You know, so the majority of customers are still in the old world, not the new world. And, you know, the lion's share of their investment in the platform is for new world customers, not old world customers. You know, so uh, often we talk about and, and we talk about, you know, companies fear of moving to the cloud, you know, because they want their data and stuff. But if you look at the reality of these things, Ted, how much of that is not just the fear of the company, but uh, laws, you know, laws that are that are in place in the company that are handed down by the board or laws that are in requirements that are from business partners or, or uh, laws that are for the particular country that they're dealing with. I mean, how many things are, are beyond the control of the company? It's not like you can just go into a CEO's office and calm them down and convince them to move to the cloud. Well, I mean, I think there are, you know, very real blocking issues. You know, I want uh, my data, you know, inside of the United States or I want my data inside of Ireland and they can't guarantee that. But now Microsoft works hard for all these customer complaints. And there are some areas where it was impossible before, but now they're making some progress. There's going to be lots of other areas where they can't really touch. You know, obviously, the uh, Snowden and the, and the NSA and all the worry now the companies have of putting data in the United States, that's affecting, you know, the cloud migration as well. Yeah. So, you know, there's just so many moving parts. And for any company, you know, a lot of those are going to affect their decision and add to that that anyone on the IT shop is going to say, no, this is stupid, mainly to protect their, you know, their role in the company and to kind of protect the skills that they learned and gotten really good at over the years. Mm. So, you know, but I to speak to what you're saying, you know, that's what Microsoft's seen is lots of blockades from customers um, and I know uh, some, a company who called uh, SharePoint online and said, can you tell me the name of the person who's going to be doing my backups and what time and give us the information so we can run background checks on this person. And they, they just got laughed at, you know, it's just right. like, you can't do that. You know, you've got to hold the data, you know, yourself close and dear. Right. 
Well, and, and it, I mean, it's not a, is, is it even possible if I'm using SharePoint online to maintain a backup myself? That I don't know. I don't have an answer to that. Uh, nothing that I've seen. Um, so I haven't looked into the different service level agreements and what sure. you get. Um, but, um, yeah, I, cause it I've is, po- I mean, it is possible SQL Azure to actually maintain a copy of the SQL database on prem at two. Like you, there is ways to do that. In fact, it's even recommended, you know, sure. There's three copies of your database maintained in SQL Azure, but you can corrupt all three of them real easily. You know, the, the, if you really want real backups, you could still take them. Yeah. So you would, you would think that would be an option. That brings up an interesting point. Let me throw a little curveball at you. What would happen if you had Windows Azure, you stood up a couple of virtual servers, you install SQL, you install SharePoint and, you know, across 14 different servers? Is yeah. that SharePoint on-premises or SharePoint online? Yeah, interesting point. That's it, SharePoint on-premises. So right. SharePoint on-premises doesn't really mean you're not in the cloud. It means you own the installation of SharePoint and you're responsible for patching it. So hmm. you could have a yeah. cloud-based SharePoint on-premises installation, even though it doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you could basically do the backups that you want. You know, So really what a lot of people are feeling is that all the low level, you know, uh, knowledge that you need to configure SharePoint is now going to be taken over by Microsoft. Which is not a bad thing. Like, you, as much as the IT guy likes having his job, those are things that are better served if somebody else is doing them the right way every time. Like, it's not the best use of your resources to be maintaining patching OSs. It would somebody else will do it for you for a flat rate. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, as pagers faded out, lots of pager repairmen lost their jobs, and I'm sure they found new things. That's just kind of the way of the times. Exactly right. But isn't the cornerstone here that the product that is SharePoint Online is not the same product as SharePoint On-Prem? Well, first, I'd say one is a product and one is a subscription-based service. Right. So Microsoft's trying to get out of the software product business into the service business. Um, But the... um, you know, they are different platforms. Uh, there's so much more that you can do with uh, SharePoint on-premises. So SharePoint on-premises, if either I am the one administrating the farm or I have a buddy, I can basically work at this low level like writing a device driver. I can sure. basically write farm solutions. And, you know, one of the things that developers love but everyone else hates is in my farm solution, I can run a piece of code to make my code run as God. I can then touch or modify any content in the farm, change anything I want about the farm configuration. And there's really nothing that you can do to stop that short of having code reviews and putting your eyeballs over the code and finding those offending lines. Mm-hmm. You know, so for developers, it's great. And as we kind of moved off to the uh, cloud, you know, all of a sudden this farm solution development that everyone has drilled down on and gotten really good at, it's no longer permissible. So now we right. have this SharePoint app model and the skill sets are totally different. And I think right now we're kind of going through this uh, evaluation of trying to compare apples to oranges. I can do this in a farm solution. Can I do it in a far in a SharePoint app? No, you can't. Oh, SharePoint apps are no good. Where really I think we have to look at there's a bunch of things that farm solutions have been doing, just like a bunch of things that device drivers can do that you can't do when you're writing general application code. So the new model, you know, is all about client-side code uh, and running things outside of SharePoint and figuring out how to use security. Um, but, you know, the, the idea is we want to run SharePoint out of the box. 
if you put your farm solution in there, all of a sudden it's not out of the box anymore. And if we right. start having you know problems with fault tolerance, problems with performance, it's probably because we're not using SharePoint out of the box. So the new mentality is you don't touch the farm. And there's going to be tons of things we can't do. But at the same time, I think people need to look at the SharePoint app model. There's tons of things that the SharePoint app model will be good at that the SharePoint farm solution model was not good at. Uh, you know, I think in the future, you're going to get these requirements of we have a SharePoint uh, online solution. What you need to do is create some app parts so that we can see content inside of Salesforce and we can configure things as we need and get alerts from Salesforce. You know, so I've never seen people do that work in the past, you know, right. but now the SharePoint app model and kind of all the skills that are required to get up to speed on that is going to make this new generation of developers, you know, very literate uh, as far as, you know, establishing communications between different services on the internet. Well, that's an interesting point, right? That this new model and the fact that it's living in the cloud opens the door to making it much easier to do the mashup style app that communicates across multiple platforms as a service to give you a, a bigger, broader view. I don't know that I've ever seen that done on an on-prem SharePoint app. Yeah, I mean, it's possible, but most people work SharePoint, you know, uh, farm solutions they can write C-sharp code. They can use all kinds right. of neat things in Visual Studio. So a large percentage of it has been server-side development. And I think, you know, right up through SharePoint 2010, client-side development and getting good at JavaScript has always been an option, not a requirement to be considered a SharePoint developer. Right, that's right. Things that's, you know, that's really changing. Is the superset of skills then the new SharePoint app model? Because the, like the SharePoint 2013, the on-prem version, also use SharePoint apps? Well, this the SharePoint app model was created mainly for SharePoint online, but right. they want it to work well with SharePoint on-premises. Uh, so Microsoft is now telling you everything you should do should be a SharePoint app. Hmm, if right. I'm working at a company with, you know, farm solutions, and I have a ton of guys that have been writing farm solutions for five years, and these guys don't know JavaScript, they don't know MVC, they don't know Web API, they don't know all this stuff, you know, why send them down this learning curve, uh, you know, just to create the things that they could create overnight with farm solutions? That kind of goes against everything that is attractive to SharePoint developers about SharePoint, which is, you know, point and click development. Well... I'm not sure we have point and click development. Um, I think SharePoint development has always been kind of quirky. And Visual Studio will do some things to you uh, as it does things for you. So <laughs> you have to really go beyond the tool, you know, to be a competent, you know, old school SharePoint developer. Right. I, I, I guess what I mean is that the lure of SharePoint has been, you know, we need a place online to 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 put our data, click, click, drag, drag configure configure boom we've got a site and okay yeah so you know the, what i mean setting up of the sites themselves right. not done by developers but done by users or it staff yeah, yeah absolutely that's the ease of the model of being able to create and tear down sites so quickly now let me ask you guys a question because i've been a sharepoint mvp for a decade which basically means nothing to me other than i'm old uh but Everyone has this idea of what the platform really is. Some people say, oh, it's a collaboration document management system. Mm. What do you think when you think of SharePoint? Yeah, well, what I think what I think its strengths are is its ability to pull all those disparate points of data, uh, pieces of data and sources of data together in a in a web 
interface where everybody can sort of party on it quickly. And I think that's where its popularity came from, too, just being able to pull those things together and to be able to create, you know, entry and edit screens and reports and quickly do all that stuff. That's where it became. I think that's where its popularity came from. And then, that of was course, the strength at the beginning. Yeah. Absolutely. And then it became all of these other things. Yeah, so it's the all of the other things that a lot of people aren't aware of. It had word for Windows feature creep syndrome. It absolutely has had that over the years. You know, if you look back at SharePoint uh, 2001, the first version, it had the three main things of great document management without writing any code. Yeah. Ability to create lists on the part of a user, add columns of lots of different types without any code. Mm-hmm. SharePoint just figures it out behind the scenes. And the search platform, you know, being able to search through content in SharePoint as well as content in your Windows file shares and public websites. Yeah. Then as we kind of move forward, they started throwing so much more stuff in there, you know, as the different value added services. Uh, you know, we got things like manage metadata. Um, we have, um, Excel services. We have lots of BI stuff inside there and kind of the list goes on. So it's kind of a melting pot, you know, of different technologies that Microsoft acquires from other. And there's always been this, if we put it in SharePoint, it will appeal to the office users. And let's try to sell the strength of office and SharePoint together. You know, so I think that's a very important part of the platform, you know, in its evolution and Microsoft's motivations to start adding things to it. Like they've added workflow, mainly because, you know, they saw there was things like FileNet. Plumtree, Documentum, Mm -hmm. very expensive file management systems. So if they could create some type of a, you know, a similar infrastructure that would plug into Office products much better than all those other ones, you know, that was the goal. Uh, But to some people, and, you know, SharePoint just has many more features than you will ever use. Hey, Richard. Yeah, buddy. Guess what time it is. Uh, Must be that happy time again. You know it, man. It's time to open the SharePoint box. Pull out a 12-ton melting pot, chuck it up in the cloud, and hope it doesn't fall on our heads. <laughs> How about that? Yes. It's actually time to give away a D-Experience subscription from Developer Express. But let me tell you about Developer Express Universal. Become a UI superhero with DevExpress UI controls and libraries and deliver elegant .NET solutions that address customer needs today and leverage your existing knowledge to build next-generation touch-enabled solutions for tomorrow. Whether it's an Office-inspired application or a data-centric analytics dashboard, DevExpress Universal ships with everything you'll need to build your best without limits or compromise. Learn more and download your free 30-day trial at devexpress.com slash superhero. And check out that little running Pac-Man with the orange cape. Looks like Miller. (laughs) I think it does. All right, buddy. Who's our winner? Today's winner is Taylor Wilkin from Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. Right. Good job. Yeah. And uh, Taylor just won the DevExpress... D experience subscription. That's a big box. That's great stuff from developer express. Check it out at devexpress.com. If you don't know what we're doing here, go to dotnet rocks.com. Click on the big get free stuff button, answer a few questions and join the dotnet rocks fan club. We give away stuff in every show. We have thousands of listeners all over the world. And every December we give away $5,000 worth of technology to one randomly picked lucky member of the fan club. But you have to sign up to join. And we like to ask our guest, Ted Patterson, 
If you had $5,000 to spend on technology right now, what would you buy, sir? I'd get that a special version of the iPhone with extra processing memory so I could run my SharePoint Enterprise <laughs> virtual machines on it. And it would cost <laughs> five grand, wouldn't it? <laughs> cost five grand, and then you'd have to pay a monthly service fee. <laughs> <laughs> iPhone, SharePoint edition, $5,000. Yeah. You need a big heat sink on the back of it, too, to keep it from melting. Yeah. That's That's awesome. Throw it in the melting pot. My data's not in the cloud. It's in my back pocket. <laughs> <laughs> All right, seriously. Come on now. you got to have something on your wish list. What would I buy for $5,000? Yeah. Uh, I'd probably not be overly business techy, but I'd probably buy a Mac MIDI soundboard-ish type thing. Oh, nice. I know it would appeal to you. I'm not sure your customer base. But yeah, no. Musician people. Are you talking about recording or, or making music like? Recording, sound, uh, like songwriting type stuff. Very cool. I'm with you. You still doing the parody stuff, Ted? Um, haven't done as much parody stuff lately. Um, so we did a bunch of good stuff uh, way back there a couple of years back. Mm. Had some fun times working with Carl. That was fun. Mm-hmm. And Don. Hey, Mr. SharePoint guy sung to the tune of Bob Dylan's Mr. Tambourine Man. <laughs> <laughs> Give us a little bit of that. It was, hey, Mr. SharePoint dev guy, build a site for me. I need content, but I don't know where I'm going to. <laughs> I think that's enough. <laughs> no, come on. More, more, more. Oh, I don't think I remember those uh-huh. lyrics. Oh, that's too funny. CRS disease. <laughs> Can't remember shit. Oh, well, where were we? So we've, we all agree now that it, it's tough to get SharePoint people who are on prem to get into the cloud. Where do you think it's going to go? I mean, how, how, how do we get there? Do we get there not from a technology standpoint, but from a political standpoint or from, um, a security standpoint. I mean, certainly the NSA isn't helping anything, but um, what has to change in order for companies to, to, to make the jump? Well, I mean, what I see is a crowd that has never been a SharePoint customer, the small to medium sized companies that could never afford the IT staff that would learn SharePoint mm-hmm. or their own servers. And, you know, it's not just SharePoint. You go into this, you know, new world of Office 365 and all of a sudden, you know, some guy who doesn't really know very much can figure out how to set up, you know, your exchange inboxes in a day or two. Um, and, you know, especially for companies that are virtual and have, you know, no bricks and mortar. So I, I know that the SharePoint online customer base is going to start growing. Um, you know, I just don't think that all the customers on the on-premise are going to flood there over the next year or two. So I think there's also something about Microsoft's vision of this model that's very different. What we're used to is building a farm solution uh, and having three devs working on a project that takes six months. And all of a sudden you're writing a $120,000 check, you know, for this one solution. And everything now is based on a developer writing a generic solution that many companies will purchase, you know, off the office slash SharePoint store. Right. You know, so this idea that all of a sudden you're writing generic code that's not company specific is very, very new. So I got, I got to think the experienced SharePoint devs out there aren't all that excited either. You've had a pretty nice ride of building custom solutions for individual customers for a fair price, and now it's going to be a much more open marketplace. 
um, a pretty nice ride, like being in a penal colony for a decade or something like that. But <laughs> I'm not sure. That, I'm Three not sure squares that a day, with, locked uh, doors every night, occasional beatings and sodomization. It was awesome. Oh. But, you know, I think instead of the model changing, maybe we should look at a new model as providing new opportunities. Right. Um, I think there's also something to be said for um, the older SharePoint model. Farm Solutions mm -hmm. is something that it's not elegant. There's nothing elegant about it. The analogy I like to make is SharePoint to the user, to the customer, is a hot dog. It's this wonderful steaming cylinder of beef. However... To the developer, you're looking at the gristle. You're looking at, you know, chickens and hogs and gorillas that were thrown into a grinder. So right. the more you look at SharePoint, the uglier it gets. And there is this .NET developer, typically twice as smart as me, uh, that loves Anders Heidelberg, loves Scott Guthrie, loves elegant stuff created for developers. And they look at SharePoint and they're like, this is just the most disgusting, hideous thing I've ever seen. I will never develop against this unless someone holds a gun to my head. But, you know, so now we have this, um, you know, this dynamic where as we move to the online version of SharePoint, the .NET crowd is the one that has all the skills, or at right. least they're far more skilled than the SharePoint crowd who has to learn this new set of skills. And a lot of the ugliness is gone from SharePoint. So I think if you are a .NET developer and you've been, you know, trying to stay away from SharePoint because every time you look at it, it's ghastly. Well, right. the new model might be exactly what you're looking for because there's no SharePoint internals. It's all calling into, you know, two different object models. There is a REST API that SharePoint 2013 has, and there is a client-side object model, which is more .NET driven. Uh, but all of a sudden, you know, you're up in Azure. You're, you know, creating, um, you know, code with .NET that doesn't run the SharePoint environment and doesn't have all these SharePoint-isms. You know, for the... You know, the SharePoint developers, you know, for them to move off of where they, you know, have been to this new world, there's just a long list of skills that other people have picked up, but there was no motivation to pick those up in SharePoint. I mean, so let's just start with proficiency in JavaScript and being able to use jQuery and knowing the difference between Knockout and AngularJS, uh, you know, and when to use one over the other. Uh, being able to program JavaScript you know, with calls across the network, being able to do things like, uh, you know, use patterns and deferred objects, uh, being able to program security and work with security tokens and attach them to headers. You know, the list goes on. VC, uh, Web API 2. Those are all things that in the old school SharePoint model, there was really very little to no motivation to learn these things. And now it's, you know, it's the skills that you need to be a SharePoint app developer. Well, you know, you mentioned that it's the, the small companies that couldn't afford SharePoint development now that, uh, that have the, the, you know, the, the possibilities of going up into the cloud, but there's no money in that for the rest of us. I mean, you can't, how can you, because cloud development attracts those startup companies that don't have budgets, right? So really it's up to the, the business person to learn how to do that stuff. They're not going to hire no, nobody who's just starting a business and putting something in the cloud, unless they're funded, you know, is going to hire a developer, a small, very small business going to hire a developer to do that. Are they? No, but I think your key point there is the big risk on Microsoft's part. You know, you need to get development going on the platform 
for it to start fostering adoption. You know, yeah. why did Windows, you know, overtake the Mac early on? You know, because Gates had such a vision about making sure developers were happy and, you know, were fulfilled and compensated for their efforts. Compensated uh, is the real uh, key there. And it's not just money. There's other things that developers like pizza, mm-hmm. nice cars. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, you know, so I think that is a dynamic that we just have to wait a couple of years to see how it pans out. You know, will we see, um, you know, SharePoint apps, you know, being in the store? Will we see companies, you know, paying a consultant five or 10 grand, you know, to write a SharePoint app that's not going to be published for the world, but used just for them, you know, in their one office 365 tenancy? You know, so I think we have to just see what things are like, uh, you know, with the adoption rate of the developers and how that helps, you know, the platform advance. That makes any sense. Yeah. It's not a simple process, that's for sure. And and on the other hand, you know, I've certainly dealt with customers that just can't afford to operate the infrastructure. So, you know, paying by the hour is awfully compelling. And being able to do some customizations, I think I'm just wondering if we're just not going to see as much customization as SharePoint anymore. You know, we, because it is simpler and, and, and it, honestly, the product's gotten better. You know, I, I don't think there's anybody disagreeing with the idea that the 2013 version of SharePoint is a better version of SharePoint than the 2007 version. Yeah, that's true. Or, or maybe the dynamic will be a small number of companies will write very successful generic apps which will then kind of uh, preempt other people from making money right in the same apps. Right. Where currently with Farm Solutions, me and a hundred other guys can write the exact same solution. It's just we all work for right. a different company. Yeah, there's only so, going to be really one Salesforce bridge to SharePoint Online. Well, uh, that could be true, but maybe not, you know, depending. I don't know enough about the Salesforce API to know, do you have to sure. then pick specifics about where is the schema general enough? But there'll probably be a little bit of each one, you know, yeah. and, Certainly, the whole idea of taking an app and uploading it and configuring for SharePoint Online takes some expertise. Um, and architecting it the right way takes some expertise. With yep. a SharePoint app, there are these two different models. One is you do everything in client-side code, and you push all your SharePoint pages, CSS, and JavaScript into the SharePoint host. And then you don't have any hosting. But then right. you can't write right. in .NET or C sharp, you got to do everything in JavaScript, which is getting a lot of pushback because lots of people don't know JavaScript yet. Uh, right. The other approach is you have a server side process that runs somewhere, anywhere you want. It could be, you know, in a server in your server room. It could be up in the cloud. And so then the SharePoint app, you know, can basically have its business logic running in server side C sharp somewhere out there. You know, so being able to leverage that and being able to have, you know, instantly scalable applications you know, is, you know, a possibility. Today, the SharePoint hosted app model with the JavaScript only is getting a lot more success because the provider hosted app has, especially on-premises, some real sore points with getting authentication worked out, you know, for the app to be authenticated. Um, And, you know, that added to the fact that Microsoft isn't investing much on things that only affect on-premises, you know, make us wonder... Should we use this model where it's kind of half-baked or should we just go to a JavaScript-only model that works just great? So, I mean, I think that's another dynamic that that's playing out. Yeah, and at the same time, it's like, you know, the, the, the small guy who uses 
we, we keep expecting to hear the great hero story in the cloud that here's a small guy who uses cloud for everything and he got all this competitive advantage and he'll outrun everybody else. Like suddenly owning your own infrastructure is going to be this big anchor that holds back the agility of your company. And I don't know that it's true, but it sure is a good story. I guess so. Well, okay. But if I can create a SharePoint app and I have some, you know, server side process, some service out there on the internet and you're all tapped in and I just keep, you know, evolving things and send you emails saying, hey, you can do this now. And hey, there's a new feature set. You know, I guess that is, you know, is a model that, uh, you know, has attraction, you know, maybe subscription based monthly charges aren't just for Microsoft. Maybe it's something that I can do too. So developers might start getting that mentality. Right. Yeah. I'm not going to sell you this app. You're going to pay me each month that you use it. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's Microsoft's not the only company that's doing that. No. I mean, recurring revenue is a wonderful thing and everybody's realizing right. and it, it. And it's an encouragement to keep improving stuff. Right. It's an incentive on everybody's part. Sure. It's an interesting thought, Ted. That's a, that's exciting ideas. Definitely. So what's next on your to-do list, Ted? Well, um, so over the last year, you know, as I worked for Critical Path Training, you know, we're all about SharePoint training. We started with developer training, and then we kind of moved into IT pro training and business user training. So over the last year, because we're in this lull of farm solutions, we know the clock is ticking. Uh, and the SharePoint app model hasn't really gotten enough adoption to make it wildly popular. So we had to kind of split our curricular develop our, our uh, developer curriculum into two courses, one for the old world, which we teach a little bit about uh, farm solutions and SharePoint apps. And that's kind of a course we've run for a while called the Great SharePoint Adventure. And so then we've created a second dev course, which is nothing but SharePoint apps. So let's forget about all the old esoteric details of the old model and concentrate on new stuff. You know, so we can give people a lot of JavaScript fundamentals. We can give people, you know, work with MVC, work with uh, Knockout jQuery. Um, so the last uh, couple months, I've been working on those a lot. We've also um, added business intelligence stuff to our curriculum. So the last three months, I've had my head way inside the tube, you know, looking at the traditional BI, you know, which is using SQL Server Analysis Services to build cubes. But mm-hmm. all of a sudden, there's this big shift with Power Pivot, and there's this new model that, to many degrees, competes with the old multidimensional model, which is tabular. And what's great uh-huh. about mm-hmm. tabular is that you can use it right from Excel. And if you're a business person, and you can get data from somewhere. You can start creating your table relationships. And while it's nowhere near as powerful as the cube, we can do things and get information instantly. So I think Microsoft, you know, seeing things like Tableau is, you know, decided that self-service BI has to be a big part of their strategy. So kind of working with, um, you know, Excel and Power Pivot, and then how it integrates into SharePoint with uh, Excel services and PowerPoint uh, or Power Pivot for SharePoint. Um, and just kind of comparing the tabular model, which is new with the older cube model has just been, it's been great. I worked a lot with databases back in the nineties. I did a lot of uh, SQL server training, you mm-hmm. know, and I really liked it. And then somehow I got in this developer thing that made me forget about databases, but it's been really <laughs> nice. fun just to have my head really inside, uh, you know, this new space. 
That's awesome. Not, not to make you feel terribly dated, Ted, but I do own a copy of your distributed com book for Visual Basic, which I think is like circa 2000 or 1998. Really? It was a good book, man. I made money on that book. <laughs> I still have a VM that runs Visual Interdev. <laughs> oh, Whoa. no. Al, I am kidding you. That that was I was BSing you there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, hey, I just went to Amazon.com. Apparently, I could still buy this book, but it's a penny. It's a penny? Yep. Yeah, you it's should a 15-year-old yeah, book. <laughs> they should pay you to take the book, given the fact that nice. everything's obsolete. Do you ever feel bad uh, looking back and telling people they should have used DCOM? <laughs> Looking back, you know, so there's, you know, there's picking the winners and the losers. And, you know, sometimes you look back and like, did I really tell people that? Did I really just take the Microsoft Kool-Aid? And, you know, but I think, yeah. our, you know, people like you uh, and me, you know, our job is really to pick the winners, pick nice. the long lasting stuff and direct the customers, you know, not to go for the shiny metal, which, you know, might be a single life cycle feature. Yes. So and decom had legs. Although today, when I talk about you know uh, do my bio, I say yes, I did scale decom. And if you've ever done that, you know the D actually stands for dumb. Dumb. <laughs> dumb distributed. Yes. Just like right. the S in soap stands for simpleton. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I could geek out with you guys all day. But I guess we've come to the end of the show. So thanks, Ted. It's always great hanging out and talking with you. And and uh, thanks for the reality check, man. We really appreciate it. Well, appreciate having you guys uh, having me on the show. Maybe five years we'll catch up and we'll talk about how this uh, SharePoint app model uh, worked out. One last plug, the new app development course, the old course is called the Great SharePoint Adventure. Now, they let me name the course, which might not be a great idea, but <laughs> call it the Great SharePoint App venture oh man so it's a venture on the part of microsoft whether it be successful and it's a venture on the part of all of the developers hopefully we're going to invest hoping to reap huge rewards but it is a venture of some degree you so. have such a way with words my friend it's great and uh, my prediction is that in five years we'll all be talking about sharepoint for the home <laughs> home edition i've been told i use words like blunt instruments on several occasions <laughs> All right, man. We'll see you later. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having me. Thank you. And we'll see you next time on .NET Rocks. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net and produced by Plop Studios, a full-service audio, video, and post-production facility located physically in New London, Connecticut, and, of course, in the cloud. Online at pwop.com. Visit our website at dotnetrocks.com for RSS feeds, downloads, mobile apps, comments, and access to the full archives going back to show number one, recorded in September 2002. And make sure you check out our sponsors. They keep us in business. Now go write some code. See you next time. Got a transmitter band by the FCC.